Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletaub from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from the Twin Cities is Mark Lanterman. Mark is Chief Technology Officer for Computer Mark is Chief Technology Officer for Computer Forensic Services and a former member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force. Mark, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Adam, it's great to uh, speak with you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Good always to hear from you. Now, let's talk about something that was kind of scary. Um, the NSA issued a report on the cyber threat that the president released, and there was a lot of information that was quite troubling in it. Can you give us a quick overview of what was in that report? Yeah, certainly, Adam. You know, the, the NSA, along with the uh, CISA and the FBI, recently released a cybersecurity advisory on global brute force campaigns uh, allegedly being conducted by the Russian military, uh, particularly against enterprise and cloud environments. Uh, the report read that these attacks are ongoing and very damaging, and the report was intended or is intended as a warning against uh, nation-state threats. So given the scope of the attacks, it's very challenging to compile or uh, place a definitive timeline on when these attacks first started. Uh, the private and public sector have both been impacted with uh, threat actors targeting networks and uh, exfiltrating, stealing data by using uh, brute force attacks to gain credentials, uh, passwords. Uh, and uh, one thing that I thought was uh, interesting is that the report read, and I'm quoting here, uh, that the actors have used identified account credentials in conjunction with exploiting publicly known vulnerabilities. So basically what they're doing is they're utilizing a combination of different techniques, both brute force and using known vulnerabilities uh, to better able to uh, access uh, data undetected. And what, what I did like about the report, Adam, is that the report described not only the methodologies and the public vulnerabilities being utilized, but the report also provides a list of recommendations and mitigation uh, uh, mitigations. So key suggestions uh, in the report include the use of multi-factor authentication, timeout and lockout features and network segmentation in addition to monitoring access controls. So that leads to my second question, which is does the report and and subsequent thought by you know others like you who do this professionally suggest companies need to sort of do more of the same or they need to do something different or both? I mean, things like multi-factor authentication, there's been calls for it for years now and more and more sites, for example, on the web use it. Is this really a sea change in how companies need to think about their security or is it just a doubling down on, on what we've already sort of knew? Yeah, Adam, that's a great question. You know, I, I believe that organizations always need to consider the fact that no cybersecurity plan or posture is perfectly able to mitigate the broad scope of risks that come with our evolving cyber landscape, so to speak. 
And this report really aims to put organizations on alert that this is a threat to their security, their data, uh, and their business. Uh, for some organizations, it might be business as usual, but for the majority, I think that there's always room for improving how we approach cybersecurity, support cybersecurity initiatives, uh, and procedures within our organizations and how we think about security culture in general. So clearly, uh, every sector uh, is at risk for falling victim to this kind of threat. And furthermore, uh, Adam, it's, a, it's important to carefully review and verify the list of recommended actions. Even if an organization can read that list and check off every item, we should ensure that every item is actually being practiced where it should be. Just because a policy is documented, don't assume it's being applied as it should be throughout your organization. It's like the old saying, uh, I, I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, trust with verification. Yeah, that was famously attributed to him. And it, it is a good point. I mean, it's a problem with compliance whether it's cybersecurity, anti-corruption, whatever, it doesn't matter really. Whatever is there on the policy is a good first step. The question is, how is it being applied? Is it being done consistently and in the right way? Now, this leads to another area of curiosity I have, is that companies have been relying much more on cloud computing solutions uh, as a way to handle a lot of their IT work. Um, and they have been the targets of a lot of these attacks. Um, is it time for organizations to relook at that strategy or even with the vulnerabilities exposed to these cloud computing platforms, do they already have security so much better than anything you'd be able to put in place by yourself that the risk is worth it? You know, Adam, that's another great question. Cloud computing generally provides a cost-effective and relatively secure data solution for organizations. But, you know, as we know, no cloud computing tool is perfect. Uh, the Pentagon recently canceled its $10 billion Jedi cloud contract following a legal battle between Amazon and Microsoft. However, it launched a new multi-vendor contract given its cloud needs and modernization goals. So while I don't necessarily think it's time to re-look at utilizing cloud technologies as a tool, it is time to assess how these technologies are being used, what protections are in place, and what data is being stored where. So knowledge is power, and with the ubiquity uh, of cloud platforms comes the need to consider your, your risk appetite, your organization's risk appetite in migrating data to the cloud. Now, what infrastructure is being used by your cloud provider? What service does your organization utilize? How does the provider protect your data, your client's data? What is the backup policy? What is the encryption policy? Does it make sense to go with a number of different vendors to fit your organization's needs? Trusting any third party with your data requires careful consideration. Absolutely. Now, let's talk, we've talked about the external risks. Let's talk about internally, which is workers. How should workforce training in cybersecurity evolve to meet these brute force attacks and all the other threats that are out there? 
Yeah, well, Adam, I, I think that a great place to start is the list of recommendations and mitigations in the NSA report. But moving beyond a list of rules, workforce training needs to be bolstered by top-down management support and strong cybersecurity culture. If, if training is viewed as a once-a-year uh, box to be checked, it's not going to be as effective as it could be. Threat awareness, ongoing education, and support from leadership are all needed to mitigate risk. So when employees and management are asked, how would you describe your security culture? It's a, it's a bad sign if it's met with blank stares. Yeah, I think that's a really good point there that you need to think of this not as a training need or a technical need, but a cultural one as well. Now, what should compliance teams be asking their data security teams about how they are safeguarding the organization? Yeah, again, a great question, Adam. You know, compliance teams should be asking, are these documented policies, practices, and procedures actually in use? How are passwords being audited? How are access controls being managed? Admittedly, no IT department likes being asked a bunch of questions about how things are being done. But to avoid pitfalls of set it and forget it security practices, I think it's critical to be diligent as an, as an organization. Security really is everyone's responsibility, but dedicated security teams are essential in executing and managing strong cybersecurity postures. Now, let me ask one last quick question that I was thinking as we were talking about this. For all the efforts to protect organizations' data, um, one of the things that I've noticed is the number of people who seem to work in public. Um, you know, before the pandemic, people would be sitting in Starbucks um, and doing their work. Uh, people work on airplanes an alarming amount. It's incredible what I've seen on the screens of the people next to me. Should we also be looking at sort of low-tech issues like that uh, as something organizations need to address? You know, I, I, I hate to quote... Um, a corny TV show, but we are the weakest link. Organizations are only as secure as their weakest link. And whether that's an employee on an airplane with a post-it note with its, you know, VPN logins, uh, or, uh, you know, a post-it note uh, to remind the user of a, of a corporate uh, username or password, you know, we, we need to be diligent. And I think especially now in COVID and hopefully post-COVID, we need to remember that the workforce has changed. We're, we're often working outside of the four walls of our, of our buildings. And we should have proper uh, security policies in place to address how and if corporate data, corporate client data should be accessed outside of the uh, organization. 
Well, it'll be something I think, you know, you're right, does need to be thought of. It's going to be hard. I'm given how used to people have become with the ability to do whatever they want, wherever they want, whenever they want. It's be quite an adjustment for them. Well, Mark, thanks for sharing these insights into this issue. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.